and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am talking to Antonia. I met Antonia through Instagram because we realized that we had a lot of similar interests. She has a YouTube channel that focuses on self-improvement through mindfulness and minimalism. So today, we're going to have a conversation about college, self-improvement, um, chasing your dreams versus pursuing a solid career, etc., etc. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me as well. I think I speak for all of the blissful viewers and listeners when I say that you have been a really positive influence in my life. So this is a huge honor for me, and I'm really glad to be here and have this conversation. Oh, thank you so much. You're so sweet. (laughs) Okay, so the first question is, you grew up in Bulgaria, and when you were younger, you wanted to be an artist. So I want to hear the story behind why instead you decided to go to college to study computer science. Yeah, that's the biggest story of my life in a way. (laughs) So I've been an artist my whole life. I used to draw when I was a child and design things. And I even made videos about 12 years ago. It was always my dream to do that. And I wanted to move away and in university, maybe study interior design and do some YouTube. So I was really prepared for that. And I was even going to art classes for interior design. And I was doing that for three years, going to those art classes, drawing every week and thinking, okay, now I'm going to go to university and do that. And before I left, I spoke to my teacher, maybe 10 months before I moved. And I said, so how is it to be an artist? What is the gist of it? How does it begin your career life? And she said, oh, well, you're going to be very poor for a long time. You're going to struggle. (laughs) And especially since you want to move to a different country, your parents are going to have a lot of financial problems feeding you there. And I, I never thought about this. I always thought about art is my life. I'm going to do this. I didn't think about the logistic and financial side of it. So this struck me (laughs) in a really bad way. And I felt terrible, but I didn't share that openly with with my parents or anyone. I just had an internal conversation with me and I said, okay, now you have to go and get a real job. It's not going to be art. So think really quickly what you like to do and what you can make a solid living from. So I thought, I love computers and I'm interested in computers. So I think computer science would be really great for me. And I almost knew nothing about what computer science truly is, but just from the way that she scared me and I was 18 years old and I wanted to move away, I thought, okay, I have to do this and I don't want to be a burden on anyone. So I moved away to Germany to study that and seven years later, I have my degree in computer science. So when you decided to do computer science instead of art, were you thinking that art would remain a part of your life like on the side or were you just kind of like saying goodbye to art forever. <laughs> I think I, I never mindfully said goodbye to it, but I think something really awful that happened was I was drawing regularly and designing regularly about three years in to studying computer science in university. I was not able to draw well anymore. My drawing mm. started becoming 
more rare and not so good and not so satisfying until I eventually stopped and sometime after that it hit me that you can't have everything. If you choose one thing essentially is something that I really like to think about and is a, a concept in essentialism, you are also choosing not to choose everything else. The opportunity cost. Yes, opportunity cost, something that we are not really always mindful of. Mm -hmm. So after you graduated college, you didn't really pursue the traditional career path of going into a full-time career in computer science, right? <laughs> yes, uh, it happened that about three years into studying, I found a part-time job and I've been doing this, not this exact job, but different part-time jobs for about five years now, four or five years. And I, I enjoyed that. So I, I knew what the actual career looks like. I wasn't scared of it before I had tried it or anything. I really tried different positions and doing different things. So I know what computer science is, specifically web development is what I do. And even I did some, some weeks where I was doing it full time. But after I graduated university last year, last spring, I was faced with the option, okay, now this is going to become every day, not just every other day. And I, I was paralyzed <laughs> by this, mm -hmm. by this concept. I, I didn't know what to do. And I thought, I don't have to decide instantly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give my, myself some time to decide how I'm going to do this. So I maybe did six months of just this, no university to take up all of my thinking power. I just had the focus to think about this alone. And I thought, no, I, I could give up anything but my time. Mm. <laughs> I will find a way that this is not my 40 hour a week thing. So like what were some compromises that you had to make in order to make that work? They, they started coming with, with time and I had to, I, I'm, I'm huge on minimalism, so mm -hmm. I was letting go of certain things at the time as well, not just my ugly clothes that I had bought in the previous years, <laughs> but also some, some preconceptions that I had in my mind, things like, oh, I will have my own apartment mm -hmm. in my mid-20s, or I will have a family before I'm 30. Or even I wanted to move to Cologne, the big German city, pretty early on because I was born in a big city. But I thought, you can't do this. You can't have everything. So if you want to make a little less money and spend time finding yourself, Cologne or Berlin is going to have to wait. Your apartment, your family, it's going to wait or maybe be postponed indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So these are things that I feel like I have let go of. And I also minim minimize my lifestyle a little bit, a little less going out, a little less buying things. But a lot more time, which is the important part. <laughs> yes, time is everything. It's the only thing that you really cannot get back. Mm -hmm. So if it's just about some money or some experiences, okay, I can, I can do that later. But who is going to give me back my time? <laughs> exactly. So I would say that choosing to opt out of the full-time job and go for a part-time one instead to take back control of your time is not a very traditional path. So did you face any sort of pressure in choosing this path, like from family or from um, the company that you were possibly going to work for? 
Oh yes, <laughs> I I think a lot of the pressure though I faced was internal because I, you're the biggest judge of your own self. I didn't share all of the reasons why I'm going part-time with everybody else. I think most of them I knew myself. Okay, I made a mistake. I went for something that I actually couldn't follow through with. So I started judging myself, of course, and that was the hardest thing. The company as well, of course, <laughs> had some logistical issues with me uh. and they said, well, you're not studying. Why would you want to do part-time? I mean, you have all this free time, so just work, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the misconception that everybody had in this scenario was that I don't want to be part-time, so I don't work. In fact, I work in all of my free time, mm. just on my own projects, on yeah. things for my channel. So it's not a lazy thing, but it looks like a lazy thing, right? And uh, that's, that's where I was judging myself because I thought everybody will think I'm lazy. I'm not. And the first few months were definitely very hard. And I also don't know if my job will keep me for a very long time like this. But, but they will keep me for, I think, a year. And that's enough time for me to do my very best to expand my channel and explore my options from there. Yeah, I can't relate exactly to that experience, but definitely to the feeling of worrying that people will think you're lazy if you're taking time for yourself. Um, something that I worried about a lot when I was facing other people asking me, what are you going to do on your gap year? I didn't have a very nice, tidy answer. I, I couldn't say like, I'm going to this country and this is the project I will work on. It was very open-ended and I was worried that people would think that I was just putting off college and being lazy and not wanting to start school. But I knew deep down that wasn't what I was doing because I had projects of my own that I wanted to work on. Um, but just like you said, I think a lot of the conflict is often internal. So no one ever explicitly said to me, are you taking a gap year because you're lazy? <laughs> but <laughs> I just created that in my head. So really the conflict was internal. But then I just kind of had to accept that I knew the reasons why I was doing it. And I didn't really have to give anyone an explanation of why I was doing it. I do have something to add to that. And I think that a lot of the pressures were also related to me being in a very young and vulnerable state. Okay, I wasn't a baby, but I was 19, <laughs> 20 years old. And I didn't exactly know that everybody who looked to have all of their stuff together and appeared very happy and solid in their life to me was not everybody, but a lot of them were a facade and they were not as happy or fulfilled as it looked like to me. But when you're young, you're very impressionable. So it was very easy to fool me back then. And with time, and especially with this time that I'm taking to work on my own projects, I am learning what it means to truly be fulfilled with what you do. And it's not always something that you can tell to other people as much as it is a feeling that you can live and radiate out. So you don't really need to prove that or be told that. It's hard to explain. Yeah, it's almost like the way to express it to other people is just through them seeing how happy and fulfilled you are like a glow. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I feel I am that, but not because I have achieved some arbitrary goal mm -hmm. of going to university or making X amount of money, but through self-love and doing what I want to do. 
That is beautiful. So looking, <laughs> looking back at college, do you think that you made the right decision to go to college or specifically to go to college to study computer science? What do you think were the pros and cons of that? I think that my view of college might be a little bit different from some of the listeners' views because we're talking university in Germany and the big elephant in the room here is that it's free or mm. it's basically free. It's maybe 200, 300 per semester, which has nothing to compare with prices in the US. <laughs> this is a major life choice based on finances alone. So I think even in the UK, it's like this and that's why I'm not studying there as well. I, I thought, okay, Germany, it's, it's a free thing. It's a nice thing to try out and I'm definitely one for trying things out. So there is nothing wrong with university per se. I would recommend it to anyone, but make sure that you are studying what you want to study and not what you think you should be studying. And also big thing, don't be afraid to let go when you feel that it's not going in the right way. And especially if you haven't had a gap year to make sure that this is the major that you want, don't be afraid to say, I will do something else now. I, in computer science, we had a few girls, not many, but a lot of them disappeared maybe about two years in and they, I think they just thought, this is hard, I don't like this. And I felt, I felt wrong about two semesters and I already felt wrong, but I always thought, okay, I can do anything I want. This is me just going to rock it, but I don't know now that this is the right way to go about it. It should be more, more of I don't feel this is right. I could do it, but should I do it? So there's that. Don't be afraid to, to switch. But it is otherwise, it is a great time to meet friends and grow and explore. And in Germany, you get a lot of benefits like cheaper housing and cheaper travels. And for example, if you want to go to the museum or gallery and things like that, it's, it's nice benefit in that way and you also get to have a part-time job <laughs> and explore it before jumping into it and finding out that it's not you. And that being said, the only con that I have about universities specifically is that a lot of the times things are practical and you maybe know how to explain them but you don't know how to do them, if that makes sense, <laughs> which is definitely to be said about computer science. Yeah, so you talked about how the skills that helped you most in the computer science job that you currently do, you actually learned outside of college on your own. Can you tell us more about that? <laughs> yes, exactly. This is 100% the example. I had been studying computer science for three years a lot. I, I did a lot of hard work. I wanted to be good, but I practically, there was almost nothing there because we had one programming class at that time we had had. So I really wanted to go and see what, what it's like in the real world. And I thought, okay, I, I want to, I especially wanted to prove to my art teacher, for example, <laughs> that I can make some money. <laughs> so I went on Udemy and Coursera at the time, and I took three months over winter break to study really hard from courses like learn web development in 90 days. And usually this seems like you're not going to learn it, but I did, it actually worked. It really needed me to really believe in it. Like I am going to do this and I have a deadline and practicing a lot, really just coding and almost no theory. 
And then I was able to learn this. So about the end of this winter break, I started applying for jobs and I got the first job that I wanted. And then a month later, I got an even better job. So that was definitely not a problem in, in skills. And to this day, working since then, I have almost not used as much from university as I have from these courses, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't study computer science, but I can kind of relate to it in terms of like photography and video classes that I took because moving forward and doing freelance photography myself or starting my YouTube channel, I really used mostly skills that I picked up on my own and not in class. Um, at least I felt like what I learned in class, I learned because I explored through the projects. I think in a lot of fields, there's just a lot that you can learn on your own outside of college or any formal education setting. Yes, 100%. I've been also, for, for my videos, I've watched, of course, a lot of theoretical things and I feel like they bring you only this far until you go out and just shoot, shoot, shoot and practice as much as you can. And that's what truly makes you, makes you better. And I can say the same thing for guitar and maybe even art. There's only so much theory to, to be learned. Yeah, there's so much to be gained from just practice, practice, practice. A lot of times people would ask me, how did you get better at taking photos? And I never had a good answer aside from I just took a lot of photos and edited a lot of photos and somehow I improved through that. It's very hard to pinpoint a specific technique or a specific theory that I learned. It was literally just practicing. It's true and that's not always what people want to hear which yeah. is I think why they ask this hoping to hear something else but unfortunately it's just practice like you said in the one podcast about YouTube you just keep swimming yeah <laughs> an amazing quote for all of life yeah thank you Dory yes so you've always loved making things as we've covered already and one of the creative projects that you've pursued in your life is creating videos so can you talk a little bit about how your journey on youtube began and what you like to make videos about yes i love to talk about that in fact <laughs> me too it is my whole life and i think i have been wanting to do videos and be on youtube forever i have videos on my old channel that are from 2008 wow and uh, that back then youtube was a very different place <laughs> i'm sure i have to say <laughs> i i had a channel for example for computer science examples i mm. had a gaming channel and then I had a Sims gaming channel which is also what I use to help you design your room. Sims is a very powerful tool. Yes I was amazed because I have loved playing Sims as well but I for some reason was never really into the home decorating side of it. I just like creating <laughs> a family and giving them jobs and whatever but the way that you like there was so much furniture that you downloaded from custom packs right? Like the yes. way that you represented my room and created all the different possibilities, it was like, a, it looked like a professional interior decorating design tool, you know? I wouldn't have said that it was a video game. Yes, in fact, before I, I was contemplating of maybe doing an interior design business instead, and I was looking at the different softwares that are available, and Sims, I swear, <laughs> did much better than all of these software. 
albeit they were the free ones because the paid ones were mm. very pricey, but it yeah. was much better. And I had eight versions of your room on there. I have so much stuff downloaded and it's just so fun to experiment that it's almost that I start a family and build their house for eight hours and then <laughs> they go to school once and I'm done playing. <laughs> <laughs> We're the exact opposite. So we should we should team up on a game and you can build the house and I'll take care of the family. <laughs> yes, I would love that. I wonder we what just... kind of family you'd make. Yeah, we'll do a collaborative gaming channel. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Big my gaming news. channel is still out there. One of my Ooh. Sims videos about my generations of Sims, because I think they have 20 generations at this point. Wow. It has like 300,000 views and some big simmers commented on that. <laughs> I have to go find that. <laughs> I would love to show you that if anybody's wondering, the channel is called Elise. And I have played the same family on there for maybe six years. So it became huge. And then separately from that, another gaming channel where I played some other games. But every time I thought, I have to start working a real job. This cannot go on forever. And I was making weekly videos maybe, but I at some point stopped. And recently when I found out that, okay, I am not going to fool myself anymore. We are doing this. I decided to start my current channel, which was the summer of last year. And it's really everything that is important to me and my life. So I am really obsessed with self-improvement, trying things like a challenge, a habit technique, some kind of very small commitment is very interesting to me. And I also love to philosophize. I'm really big on the meaning of life and living intentional, simple living, things like that. I really wanted to make videos, for example, about expectations, are they good or bad? What about gratitude? So I love to explore things like that. And I've been posting very regularly this year, and I now know that I can't fail unless I quit. So I'm not going to quit. That is very <laughs> quotable. I have to put that in the show notes. <laughs> Yes, please. Everybody remember that, first of all, Eminem says you can do anything you set your mind to. And also, you can't fail until you quit. So this is something that has been bringing me further. Beautiful. So we talked about how there is a balance between um, doing things for yourself and then kind of sharing it with the world where then you allow other people to have a little bit of an input in what you do creatively. So how has that experience been for you? Like, is it difficult sometimes to share parts of your life and then literally have people commenting on that? Or I guess, do you miss the days when all of that was just for yourself, all of that creativity and art stuff? Yes, I, I heard you talk about that and I related so much, but I think I'm, I'm a bit more extroverted than I am introverted. So I, as soon as I find something out, I want everyone to know because I think that it's going to do them good in some way. So I really like sharing things and it hasn't been so much of a problem except things take a little bit longer to complete. So <laughs> until you film your entire lunch, it's already cold perhaps mm -hmm. because I do like to share on Instagram, for example, healthy meal ideas and things like that. But it, it, overall, it's, it's very enjoyable and I, it's probably my favorite part of my channel and why I do things in the first place is because 
everything that I think can make me a better person, I want to share and give to others and see how they use it and what they think about that. And um, I'm even very excited to have some more comments rolling in. So because we're in the very beginning stages going to 2000 subscribers, hopefully sometime in the near future. Yeah. Everyone listening, go subscribe and get her to that goal. What are you doing? <laughs> Next, I want to move on to talking about moving to a different country. So you moved away from where you were born when you were 18. So how did you decide where to move and how was that experience for you? I would love some advice personally because hopefully I'll be moving to Spain next year and that's very exciting but also quite scary. So how did, how did you deal with all of that? Uh, first of all, I would love to have you in Spain because that means we can actually meet much easier. Yes. <laughs> I have some environmental anxiety about flying far away, so I don't think I'll be ever visiting the US in this life. But it's so great that you will be here in my backyard, kind of, in Spain. But yeah, how I decided to move to Germany was actually kind of a silly story because back in 2007, there was the I guess German BTS, which is Tokyo Hotel, <laughs> they were very big back in the day. They were making some kind of alternative music, I guess, and they were singing entirely in German and that sounded so good to me. <laughs> and I was obsessed. I thought, I have to know what they are saying. So I went to German class for the first time when I was 12 years old and I went with my little Tokyo Hotel lyrics gave them to the teacher and said, please tell me what this says. <laughs> and she was like, oh, it's not very deep, but you know, <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. And now, by the way, listening to those songs again, I think, okay, they weren't very deep. The magic was listening to it in German. Mm -hmm. The magic is not there if you actually understand what they're saying. Shouldn't have learned German. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. But it's, it's, it's like a completely different thing. In fact, I write poetry and somebody invited me in Germany once to read my poetry. I said, it's in Bulgarian. And he said, that's even better because we'll only get the feeling and not, not the meaning. And I thought that was very beautiful. When I was asking you about this, you, you compare them, you said they were a German BTS and you were like, it's the same situation with you learning Korean if you were to move to Korea because you were interested in BTS. And I was like, oh, okay, I completely understand now why you moved to Germany. Real talk, are you listening? Uh, uh, are you learning Korean because of BTS initially? It was definitely a big reason. Um, they got me interested in it, I would say. And then another reason was that the languages I knew, Spanish, Lithuanian, and English, they kind of had so much crossover. Um, I thought it'd be fun to try something completely different. But if I hadn't started listening to BTS, I never would have developed an interest in learning there, that other language. There, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did your parents feel about you moving to Germany? Were they supportive of that? So yes, here comes the big story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my parents, and I think a lot of people in, in Europe, always look up to Germany like it's some kind of heaven where everything is going right <laughs> and so some part of it is probably just in people's minds and it's somehow marketing but there's also the thing that every country has its own almost its own value system and the way the people behave and 
I feel like for a lot of reasons I didn't belong in Bulgaria. I'm a bit more progressive thinking, a bit more open and I think that that didn't fit exactly always, at least in my, the people that I had in my class for example. So I wanted to try something different and I think my parents kind of sensed that as well, that I would probably be fitted to trying something different and they were very on board with it. I think everybody wants the best thing for their child. But that being said, they suffered a lot. Mm. I think they, in the first few years, I was coming to visit them pretty often. And I was also suffering because it's a, it's a whole life. Even though I feel that I fit really well in Germany, there was a lot of things that also caught me by surprise. And of course, nobody waits for you with open arms. You have to find your own way through through this whole new life. So I almost felt as if I, I had left my home. I, I like to think that home is where you feel comfortable. So for a long time, home was with my parents and home has only been Germany for maybe the past three years and it's been seven years. So it's a long way to walk. I don't know if you're intending to stay long-term in Spain, that would be of course really cool. But if you are, it is definitely a long way to walk. I think shorter term stays are maybe a bit more relaxed, a bit different, because you don't have to come to terms with this is life. You are never just going to walk over to your mom and, and meet her. You're never just going to call your friend and see them. And sometimes I even think, how many more times am I going to see them? Mm -hmm. Maybe if I go once or twice a year, it's a very heavy thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'll stay in Spain or somewhere in Europe after finishing college, but I definitely experienced a lot of homesickness when I was traveling last year. Uh, when I first left home in November, the first few days I was totally fine because it was just like so much adrenaline. I didn't even think about homesickness. <laughs> and then once I went to my first workaway program where I was staying with the family and I unpacked all my stuff and got settled in my new bedroom. That was when it really hit because I realized, oh, I can't just like go downstairs and see my family anymore. And that was so overwhelming. <laughs> like you really often don't, don't expect how bad it'll be until you're in that situation. Yes, 100%. I, I have two things to say about that. The mm -hmm. first thing is that the small things are the things that I miss the most. I was literally crying because I couldn't eat my dinner with anyone. That's what mm. I missed. And I used to hate going to dinner because you know, they call you and it's never actually ready. <laughs> They're still yeah. cooking for half an hour. <laughs> well, probably the other worst thing than, than missing your family when you're abroad and your life and your friends is the language barrier, no matter mm. how good you are. For example, in my case, I was really, really solid in German. But there's the thing that if you don't have anyone to practice speaking and listening with, which is a very particular skill, there's always going to be some problem. So I could read everything and I could say anything. But when people were speaking in the beginning, it was hard. I had to be thinking, slow down, please slow down. But the thing is, professors, for example, you cannot tell them to slow down and everybody's talking in the room. 
sometimes when the professor is talking, so you have a very hard time even understanding classes and things like that. And the first friends that I had in Germany were extremely patient people because it took me a while to formulate how I feel. And that was probably the loneliest thing that I had to deal with was that I was feeling so much, but it took me so long to say what Mm -hmm. I was feeling that a lot of people lost interest by the time I was finished with my sentence. So I'm very glad for, for those people that were there in the beginning, but it was definitely a language barrier that was also kind of keeping me lonely. Of course, there is always the option to meet some international friends, but I think if you go that option too much, you're not really going to ever properly integrate so that you feel like this is your space now. So it's good to have international friends, but 100% have local friends they can teach you they can help you for example when you have legal issues <laughs> because i was throwing my i think my trash i was recycling in the wrong way so in germany nobody comes to knock on your door and tell you you're doing something wrong everything is very official so my neighbor sent me a letter and it said you are throwing out your trash wrong i want you to do that otherwise we're not going to pick it up anymore and you will have to clean it yourself <laughs> <laughs> Things like that were a huge culture shock. So the first couple of times I got a letter from people that I knew in real life and could literally walk up to me and tell me something, I knew things are going down. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, I know at work where people could just tap me on the shoulder from one meter away, if they're writing me a message, then this is going to be used in court and I have to be careful. So that's that in that way Germany is hugely different and it really helps to have someone explain you that. I would advise anybody who has a language in school and has some choice in what that language is to listen because you are there anyway. So what is the point of just trying to pass the time or trying to get any passing grade because this time it, you can count it as already invested. So why not spend that time, give your all and learn that language? I am saying this because of 30 people in my class, I'm the only one who still uses the language. And we also had English, but I knew English. It was maybe interesting for some of them, but they mostly just learned it to pass. And I don't understand why, because now I have this and I have lost the time, but they just lost the time and they have nothing. So definitely learn in school. I, of course, also went to some lessons at the end because there are this German exams that you have to take and you have to have a certain grade to be able to apply to university. So I wanted to make sure, but I was, I was already very prepared from school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely had the same experience where I realized that speaking conversationally and listening to a native speaker is quite different from Spanish class. And there are definitely <laughs> many moments where like someone would try to say something to me and I just got nothing because it was too fast. Or I remember I was at a restaurant with my host mom and the waiter came by to ask if he could clear the table. And I don't even remember the Spanish phrase, but he said it so quickly. And I was just standing there like staring at him. And my host mom had to come in and be like, oh yeah, she's not from here. That's why she looks so confused. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. I have had so many silly moments trying to speak German and I think there is nothing that could have prepared me for this. So one awful thing that happens is that they say numbers the other way around. For example, 32, they would say 
23. Like in a way, they would say the two first and then the three. Mm. So they say numbers backwards. So I go to the doctor and I say, hi, I'm born in the year 49. <laughs> and he says, you don't look that old. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had this kind of problem several times. Or the word for sheep is almost the same as the word for bricks. So I'm explaining that my parents live in a house made of sheep. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like, huh? what? <laughs> so, that, but I know nowadays it's a bit different learning German because, for example, there is on YouTube a lot of people who just have conversations and back in the day and 2010, this wasn't such a huge thing. Mm -hmm. I know that there is, for example, a channel called Easy German. They just go and interview people on the street and write on the bottom what they what they said, like a, a subtitle. So you can really easily connect the way that people say the words to the way that you would read the words. Yeah, definitely whatever language you're learning, seek out examples of native speakers because Well, okay, my brother has Spanish class now. He's 13, so it's just his first year, but he's doing it online from home, so I sat in and listened one time, and most of the Spanish teachers are not native, native Spanish speakers, and I was just listening to the lessons like, this does not sound like Spanish actually sounds like. I guess for beginners it's fine, but definitely if you want to completely learn the language, like get some lessons with a native speaker or go to YouTube to find to listen to people or something like that. Yes, I think the especially with watching a lot of YouTube videos that go, oh, I learned a language very quickly. People don't really go the way that, for example, my school went, which was, okay, learn a lot of words in the first year, then learn a lot of grammar in the second year, then learn some words and grammar in the third year, and in the fourth year you can speak. <laughs> and people don't have that kind of time. They say, okay, I've learned some words and some grammar and try to speak and go as you and build it up as you go. So I've seen people learn it much faster than me just because they don't go for perfection in building every single step, but instead for, I guess, adjusting for, for speed, for learning more. Okay, so now I want to move on to talking about a very, I think, unique way in which you approach personal development. So one thing that is really clear from your, from your channel and from just talking to you is that you are super committed to improving yourself. And one thing that I'm fascinated about is the yearly themes that you do, where you pick some area of your life to really learn about and improve all throughout that year. So what have been some of those yearly themes in past years and what have you gained from doing those projects? Oh, thank you so much for saying these nice words, first of all. <laughs> yes, I, I'm very passionate about that. And I really like to find a way to focus myself because I do have ADHD, which means that my focus goes everywhere. And I think because of that, I give myself special attention to planning things out, to being mindful about not taking too much on and kind of being an essentialist, especially in the last two years. But even without knowing that, I have been at least doing it in the sense that I try to pick a theme of learning and improving in a specific thing for every year. And actually, I am posting a video about that today, which is going to be very long ago in the podcast. But <laughs> because I have done this today, I was walking through photos and just seeing all of the progress I made. The first time I did that was in 2014 because I was 
new in Germany and I wanted to try workouts because I was very lonely. I realized I didn't know anything about workouts. So in that year I tried some cardio, high intensity interval training, strength workouts, jogging, everything that came to my mind. But I was really making sure that I show up no matter how, just show up every time because consistency pays best is what I like to say to myself. There was, for example, the first thing that I decided to learn was a sport called freeletics, which is you do it in a group outside and it's kind of strength training with your body. So a lot of people were showing up to freeletics and some of them would be there for two, three hours at a time. And I thought, this is awful. But the problem is those people that went all out didn't show up the next day, the day after, the day after, the day after. So they were just the kind of people that show up once, do their best, and then they're burned out as hell. And I tried to show up for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I showed up when I had a math exam, no matter what happened for whatever amount of time I had and that's how I was able to do it long term. So I think that very first experience with just focusing on the long term, I became very strong at the end of the year. I was doing 200 push-ups, things like that, things that I don't do anymore. That was mm -hmm. very wild and I think doing that long term might ruin your body if you're not doing it right. <laughs> But I just got very strong and I thought there is something to this mm -hmm. kind of year focus. So I decided not to go on like that. And the next year I studied some different kinds of yoga. I learned breathing techniques, how to walk and sit properly, which is very interesting and you could use in your daily life. I think a lot because breathing techniques I learned back then I even used today before this podcast to calm down <laughs> because I was hella nervous. <laughs> so I just try to think about something that is going to be really useful to me long term and think okay this is going to be useful so it's worth a long-term investment and I'm not going to give up on it. So this year I was learning nutrition. I always thought this is so complicated, this is so complex, but it's useful to know are you doing things right, are you eating the right thing? And I thought I'm going to do it. So this whole year pretty much every other book or podcast or YouTube video has been about nutrition and I kind of try to enjoy it as not a, an extraordinary thing that I plan, but more of integrating it because it's my theme for the year. It's just going to be things that I usually do, but kind of geared towards that. And it has been a huge change. It hasn't really changed my schedule so much, but it has changed my life. So I even tried some challenges. I stopped eating sugar this year. That was awesome. I did an intermittent fasting challenge. I kind of talk about such things on, on the channel, for example. And next year, I plan to learn about budgeting and finances. One of my questions was going to be, what is your theme for 2021? So that was the, that was the big announcement of next year's theme. One thing that I like is that the themes are pretty, pretty general and broad. Like, like, for example, with the workouts theme, you weren't saying like, I'm going to do kickboxing every day this year. It's, like, it's not so specific. You can kind of adapt it throughout the year. If you find some sort of workout you like better, you can switch to that, explore different things. But even with that, did you ever find yourself getting bored with the theme uh, like halfway through the year and wishing you could change it or something like that? Hmm. 
That's a that's a good question. I think so far I have not, and that's exactly the key that I think makes this type of learning. I call it a year of learning. I think that's what makes it so different is that you try to diversify as much as possible, so you don't end up like those people in Freeletics that only show up twice <laughs> because they went so hard that they don't have anything else in them. I think there is a lot of power to keeping it interesting and just like with university switching things up when they don't feel right that's the only thing that i could say i did wrong because i don't like to say i regret things <laughs> but definitely let go of what feels wrong so if you choose a theme and maybe you tried for one or two months a specific thing that's related to it and it doesn't feel right then there is something probably different to go for. If you have thought the theme out well enough in advance, then it's probably going to be for you in the end. But I think a good way to begin with is always take the first couple of days or weeks to learn so you know what your options are. Because if you don't know what your options are, you're going to feel limited. And it only feels weird the first few days because you have all of this motivation. But what's important to remember is that motivation kind of dies down as you go and it becomes habit. For example, you need to think that if you want to make something a habit, then you need to really think about it long term and it's not going to be exciting every day. So you then need an actual battle plan. And I think there is more useful to make a promise to yourself, like I'm going to release a video every week or every other week, or I'm going to come to Freeletics every other day rather than I will do 30 minutes of workout today. And I, 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 by the way, did this with meditation and it was huge. I think I had a meditation streak of about six months at some point because I discovered that some days I can just do one minute and it feels good just because I showed up. It makes such a difference because once you break your, your streak or you don't show up for a couple of days, you feel almost like a failure, even though you're not. But if you show up for one minute, it's literally nothing to you, but it actually changes everything on the way you view your progress. Mm -hmm. It just keeps that momentum going, which has always been really important to me. One of your yearly themes was minimalism, right? Yes. So we talked about how you try to apply minimalism, not just to your stuff, like your physical belongings, but also to all areas of your life. So when you started that yearly theme, where did you start incorporating minimalism first? Okay, so I had kind of the artist setup of a home, and which means I had art all over the walls. I had clothes everywhere. My cat had destroyed something. It was on the floor. Everything is covered in, in different <laughs> things, not necessarily too many things, but just things were everywhere. And as I said, I have some problems with focusing. So the obvious solution for me was if I clean up everything that I see, I'm going to be able to focus better. You know how sometimes you have an exam or something and you can't start studying because you're cleaning your room. <laughs> I wanted to eliminate that possibility, even though it's not always because your room is messy. Sometimes it's just because you're procrastinating a little bit. <laughs> I still wanted to be able to focus and give myself one less option to procrastinate. So. I started with my clothes, definitely. I was, I think, a lot of times rewarding myself, for example, with fast fashion and just buying things. I remember passing my mathematical analysis exam and I, I thought, the first thing I thought was, I'm gonna get a bag. 
And now I think, why? You should just be proud of yourself. <laughs> but I had a lot of exams and a lot of bags because of that. <laughs> you can go through your closet and be like, this was when I passed my German exam. This bag is from when I passed this exam. <laughs> yes, 100% and a lot of band t-shirts and things like that because I, I love music. So... Uh, a lot of these things were not easy to let go of, especially my my back from my analysis exam <laughs> was particularly hard to let go of. But it, it, as soon as I, I got the first few obvious things out, um, one of them was, by the way, all of my notebooks from uni, because I noticed that you never go back and open your notes after the exam. If you find something is important, you can digitize it. But I spend enough time for example, for my first year, I had some notes and it was already five years later. I had not opened them, so I could already say, I'm never, I'm never going to use this. So it was full of my notes in the trash that day. It's, it's a miracle nobody complained from my neighbors for, <laughs> for the trash. <laughs> no note came that day, but I did clean all of my university books, took some photos of stuff, my clothes and things like that. I definitely kept everything that was sentimental. I still have it to that day. So a lot of those band t-shirts are there, not the bag because <laughs> it wasn't actually that important. The important thing was what is in me from that experience. So then after you cleaned up your physical space, how, how did you go about applying minimalism to other areas of your life? Yeah, I think people were I, I made some videos on that in the very beginning and people were asking okay this is obvious but what do i do with the empty void i have in myself now <laughs> that is that is not filled with things and i i thought gee i thought i'm i'm helping them with this video but i realized it doesn't have all of the answers and slowly mm. i back then also didn't have these answers and slowly i realized that it's kind of a way of life so it's not really that there is a clear next step, but once you say, okay, I can let go of my band t-shirt and not feel horrible about it or let go of that bag, you can eventually say, let go of the notion that you have to work in whatever you spend six years on because six years is a goddamn lot of time. And, <laughs> and it feels really bad to say, I'm going to let go of I'm going to let go of six years of my life, but I could eventually do that. And it's not the obvious next step, but there is a lot of things like this that happen to me every day that I say, it's fine. I have what I need. This can go and I need to focus on something else. I just remembered what I wanted to say beforehand, but you were talking about the school papers and or the notes that you would take in class. And I definitely started doing that in high school as well. After the class was done, I found so much joy in just recycling all of the papers. It was so satisfying to get rid of everything. And a lot of my friends would keep notes like to use in the future, but I never ever regretted throwing away my notes because I never found them to be useful in the future. I did have some teachers in middle school, we briefly learned about chemistry and they said, you should keep your notes, they'll be useful when you take chemistry in high school, but they weren't. So after that, I was like, okay, I don't believe that anymore. So I'm just gonna start throwing everything away. And the reality of it 
is that these days it's just online. It's it's one Google search away, miss. Nothing that you tell me is, is I cannot find on the internet. <laughs> exactly. Why would I go back to my own handwritten information if I can just find it on Google? Yes. The only thing that could be special in things like that is, for example, if you have any quotes or any of your own thoughts saved. I made a I made a blog for my quotes because it's very easy to sort them there. You put tags on them. It's free. Mm. So I put quotes as a post in the blog and then I tag it with the book that it came from or something. And then that way I sort them and it takes a long time in the beginning. But if you have something that you don't want to lose, it's definitely worth taking the time to digitize it and make it easily accessible. So the last thing, the last topic that I wanted to cover is not really related to anything else that we talked about, but you've mentioned environment anxiety. So the environment and caring for it is something that's very important to you, but it's also a subject that can cause a lot of anxiety, especially for young people, because we are, I guess, most faced with the consequences of it. So in your life, how have you tried to balance that worry with also taking action and feeling some sense of hope? And I think at the beginning it was especially hard when it became like a very big topic and very obvious that we're not going to avoid this or somehow get over this a couple of years ago I, I i panicked and as i already mentioned things like oh i'm going to see the us one day or or australia they they just evaporated and it's something that i definitely grieve but i don't think that i can there's a lot of things that I cannot anymore do, I guess, with a clear conscience, like go in my car and drive five meters to buy something. I don't have a car anymore, but that would be an example. And that made me feel bad. I think I'm going to fly far away once in my life, but I don't think it's going to be a big thing. Maybe there will be an alternative option by the time this actually comes in question. But I think it also... When I started doing minimalism, I, I felt that, okay, I can actually be better. I started learning about why is it actually good to be a minimalist from the environmental point of view, because fast fashion is not so good and overproducing goods is also not so good. It made me feel a bit better to know that I'm not taking part in that anymore. And that was kind of the beginning of that. And I was informing myself about what I can do from in the beginning minimalists and then after just some other knowledgeable people online which are many and I think the biggest thing that happened to me was I was having an awful day once and I heard you talked about the law of attraction recently on the podcast as well but here you go as an example of that I was having an absolutely awful day and I thought I'm going to go outside and meet a new friend and it's going to be great so I go outside and I see this group of vegans protesting on the main square and um, I, I'm also plant-based I'm interested in that but I had no idea that anyone in my city was actually protesting or or trying to make people aware of that, especially on the main square. So I went up to them and they're, oh, hey, join us, let's have dinner, let's be friends. And we actually ended up having an amazing night. And after that, I started joining them for some lectures in the university, for some charities, gathering money for some local animals, things like that. And it was amazing and I discovered also personal good friends there, not just general acquaintances. 
and knowing that I could take action and especially talking to other people because if you're already doing a lot yourself, the next step could be to tell somebody else what they can do. I think that gives me so much comfort and it really feels nice to see all these other people also concerned about this. In the meantime, I like to go to Fridays for the Future. Do you have that in the US? I don't know. No, I haven't heard of that. You haven't heard of that? <laughs> well, it was such a big thing here in the in the news because essentially it's where kids don't go to school on Fridays because they're protesting for the future kind of and they strike in every city, everywhere. So I didn't know that was not a thing in the US. I think uh, Greta Thunberg, if you know her, she started that. People in Europe, or a lot of them were complaining because kids are not going to school. So that was why mm. it was a media issue. But then eventually they thought, okay, kids are not going to school and they have a good reason for that. So they eventually stopped talking about it so much, but it's been happening for about a year, every Friday, just every Friday in a lot of cities. And sometimes I go and join that and it gives me a lot of comfort to see other people there, a lot of young people. It's very hopeful. So basically, like taking some sort of action reduces a little bit of that anxiety. Yes, taking any action that you can on your part and then talking to friends and also trying to help other people take action on their own. So for the last section, we're just going to do our quick little lightning round of questions. So my first question is, what is one of your favorite quotes? <laughs> As I said, I have a whole website, a whole blog of quotes that I <laughs> just collected. Just link the website. <laughs> There's so much to be said. I think I'm going to share a quote that I actually came up with myself just to... Mm. I don't know, just to, just to share that in the world. And yeah. the quote goes... The normal state of things is chaos, and the good things are a gift. Through gratitude, we shall receive them tenfold. So essentially, the universe owes you nothing, and the good things are something that you should savor. So gratitude really helps to feel much, much better about those things. Agreed. What about, what is one book that you would recommend to our listeners? My favorite book is probably Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, but it's very philosophical and very long, so might not be for everyone, but something that is equally as philosophical and much more lighthearted is Zorba the Greek by Nikos Kazantzakis. It's a Greek writer and it's an amazing book about just the soul and letting go and it's very philosophical, but in a very lighthearted way. And if you want to learn about Greece, there's a lot of that in there. I'll have to check that out. And the last question is, what is something that you've been grateful for these days? Something that I've been grateful for, I would love to say something deep and wonderful, but actually I'm, I'm grateful for my partner, Marius, because it's been, it's been a hard kind of pandemic with being alone. And especially if you are without family in the near distance, so mm -hmm. it could be very lonely, especially if you're if you're out of the country. And also, he supports my dream. He believed in me since day one when we met. And I said, I've wanted to do YouTube my whole life, and it sounds ridiculous. He said, No, you're awesome. You're doing great. He watches every single video and leaves Aww. a like instantly. And it just it's so powerful. It's like I have 
insane strength just through this one person believing in me so much and always listening to me. It's it's a magical thing to have. Having like supportive people around you is so powerful. I remember reading in some book about how to survey people's happiness really the only question they had to ask was how satisfied are you with your relationships and based on that answer they could just tell how happy that person was in general with their life so like the the power of having people in your life that you can trust and that support you cannot be overstated I think wow that's amazing because I don't think that we change that much truly from the core of who we are throughout life. And someone even said to me, I can tell that my children have been the same since they were small. I think that doesn't change so much, but how I have changed from a person who had no one here to a person who has someone by their side all the time and his family is insane. Just from that, I can say it, it makes a world of difference. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners find you online? Thank you so much for having me. I would love to welcome some of the listeners to my channel, Antonia and the Universe with an ampersand. And also my Instagram is Antonia the Universe without any ampersand. Three takeaways from today's episode. People won't always understand the decisions that you make for yourself, whether that is taking a gap year, taking a part-time job so that you have time to focus on personal projects. Whatever decision that you make that feels right in your heart, it might be really difficult to explain why it feels right to other people. But remember that you don't necessarily have to explain yourself. Sometimes you can just allow the, the good positive energy that you radiate to explain those changes for you. Second, college can definitely be valuable, but there's also a lot you can learn outside of college. So Antonia told us about how she learned a lot of her practical coding skills that she now uses for her job in an online course and not even in college. So always do your best to seek out resources for whatever it is you're trying to learn. For example, in our episode with Amy Gidden, the founder of Daily Haloha, she told us about some free resources online where you can learn about business. Finally, a great way to practice personal development in a really targeted way is to choose a theme for the year. So Antonia calls this the year of learning, where you pick a topic that you're just going to completely delve into and explore for that year. So that leads us right into today's action for the day. So I encourage you to sit down and try to pick a theme for 2021. If you're anything like me, the thought of picking just one theme to focus on for the entire year might make you a little bit anxious because immediately I'm thinking, but there's so many things that I want to focus on this year. How am I supposed to only pick one? And just remember that you will have more years of learning. So Antonia has been doing this for a couple of years. She's done a fitness year, minimalism, nutrition, etc. And so you will have plenty of opportunities to learn a lot. My one recommendation for today is a book I've been reading by Cal Newport. It is no secret that I love all of Cal Newport's books. So the one that I'm reading now is called How to Become a Straight A Student, which sounds very cheesy, but it's about study strategies and time management techniques to get straight A's in college in a time efficient way. And college is still a nine to 10 months away for me. 
but I am trying to hype myself up and getting excited, getting prepared. I really recommend the book. It really reminded me of a lot of the things that I started doing towards the end of high school. It took me some time to figure those things out. But yeah, he really emphasizes that you do not have to necessarily study hard or study long in order to get better grades. As for what is going on at the Bliss Bean, as I've said already, I'm taking a break for this month, but I've been very active on Instagram stories, which I'm very proud of. So if you want to engage with me over there, I've been better at responding to DMs, so I try to respond to everything on there as well. Please reach out to me and don't be a stranger. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at The Bliss Bean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener, question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.